0: Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions. With a bit of snark built in, we are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media, at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge, and yes, I am still horse from Tuesday. Thank you, son. I'm your host <laughs> this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's been practicing being nice to Baylor all week, thanks to his wife, Kyle Carpenter. <laughs> Kyle, how are
1: you? You know, uh... The more Baylor just, like, hires lovable football coaches the, and, and the more distance they put the, between themselves and our Bryles, like, the, it, it certainly helps that I love my wife a great deal and that helps soften <laughs> the blow. But, like, Dave Aranda is is, is great. Like, he's, he's legitimately lovable. He would probably hate that I said that. He wants to be a, a mean, scary boy, but he's not. He's just sweet and lovable unless you have to play him. But, you know, and Matt Rule was, like, if they just keep having – relatively non-problem like they got rid of Mulkey they got rid of Bryles if they just get rid of their basketball coach they can get rid of the problematic trifecta and just replace them with lovable people and they're not that bad honestly and again maybe that's just my uh my love for my wife and maybe this is the one podcast of the year she listens to I don't know but uh, but yeah I've said all the nice things I plan to say about Baylor
0: as of late I've been directing most of my uh formerly anti-Baylor stuff at Ian McCaw and Liberty so I feel like that's sure. probably a better way to channel channel my feelings my sister uh, went to Baylor and you know she she had a fine time there uh but we are wrapping up our season previews and so we've got Matt Wilson of Our Daily Bears in one of my favorite non-Texas podcasts Between Two Bears on to help us preview the Baylor Bears we're excited to have it's rare that we get to have a first-time guest on uh for conference previews it's nice to end it with this so we're excited for that we've got some bol texas uh some texas players getting some uh some shine in the preseason so we'll talk a bit about that and we'll obviously close the show out with a little godzillatron so we're finally in the single digits for our previews we've been doing this for the last well three months now so we've done uh, all of the texas schedule we've landed on the black friday game with the baylor bears one that uh i put in a bon article recently could uh could determine who ends up in Arlington. I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that I don't have a lot to say about it. But we have the distinct pleasure of welcoming on for the first time, probably hopefully the first of many, uh, Matt Wilson of both our Daily Bears and uh, the Between Two Bears podcast, one of the uh, funniest, one of my favorite like non-Texas college football podcasts out there. Uh, and Matt, how are you doing today?
2: I am doing fantastically well. We are on the verge of college football coming back. We, too, um some call it a rivalry, some don't, that's fine, but we're coming together in a celebration of this, all in good faith. We're <laughs> going to talk about the football objectively, with no clouded verbiage whatsoever, and it's going to be great.
1: This is a, a meeting of gentlemen, um, in a, you know, a, a exchanging of minds.
2: <laughs> you guys are gentlemen. I'm still unsure where I fall on that spectrum, but hey, I'll take it.
0: Uh, I think anybody that's listened to us for any amount of time knows that we're probably not gentlemen either, and that's, that's completely okay. It's totally fine. So, we'll start, like you said, with the, with the In Good Faith football stuff. From a high level, Kyle and I talked about, made some jokes about this in the opening, but, like, I'm tired of Baylor hiring football coaches that I feel like I have to cheer for. Um, like... Dave Aranda at any other school is, like, one of my favorite coaches. I love that guy. But, like, he has done one of the best pivot jobs from year one to year two. Year one, he coached a lot like a defensive coordinator. Year two, he kind of just changed everything. And turns out that was the right choice. And Baylor ended up winning a conference championship. And so, uh, like, this is a double-pronged question, and I hate these. But, like, one, like, what do you, from somebody who follows the program, like, why has he been such, like, a success both with, like, obviously on the field, just cause he's smart, but like the fans have like glommed onto him. They love him. Like, how is he like ingratiate himself so well with the fans? And like, what do we expect for year three?
2: So I'm I'm going to contextualize this with, uh, going back to Matt rule, right? So Matt rule, obviously successful. Uh, you, you take his entire stint at Baylor and you would consider that a success. I think most people would say that, um, I am cynical enough to where. Uh, I wasn't skeptical was too, too strong of a word, but I was skeptical of how, um, real the whole, uh, you know, essentially giving sermons at the, behind the bully pulpit during media days and and that whole, I won't call call it a shtick. I don't think he's a bad guy, but it, it just came off, especially the way he departed as not being very authentic. And I think that became even more clear when you saw how keyword authentic, Dave Aranda is. Dave Aranda is himself. He does not do the things the same way as other coaches. He does not do things the way people would expect him to, but it is obviously successful, right? He's very analytical, very quiet in some situations, very even keeled on the sidelines. And I think that's what, in just about every walk of life, attracts people is authenticity. You look at entertainers, you look at athletes, you look at politicians, you look at leaders of companies, it's authenticity. And that is absolutely what Dave Aranda has. And I think that has been, you look at Scott Drew too, right? Some people don't believe it, but that's actually who Scott Drew is. Uh, As somebody who's met him multiple times, that permeates through an organization. And When you are authentic and another keyword, vulnerable. Right? What does that mean? It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you are less than. It means you are open to other ideas. You are self-aware enough to understand that you don't know everything, and when you make a mistake, you are willing to admit it, <clears throat> Larry Fedora. <clears throat> right? And <laughs> you're able to correct those mistakes because, in the end, you know nobody's perfect. You're going to make mistakes, and you have to be able to be aware of that. How many times in the NFL we look at a team or an organization? And they, you, you look at an organization; they have no idea where they actually are on the spectrum of success. Right? Same, same thing with this uh, particular coaching staff. I, I just think they're authentic and uh, and vulnerable.
1: You know, it's it's wild that you say that, and you think about the the, the narrative, the story that seems to be, you know, the, the truth that Tom Herman and he are, are longtime friends because I think the way you just described Aranda is exactly what every person who Was ready to see Herman go at the end of his tenure. You know what they were missing, what they were lacking—a level of, you know, humility and not thinking you're the smartest guy in the room, uh, authenticity and vulnerability. It is—it is a little bit wild. I do. Hope that, you know, it comes out soon that Dave Aranda, like, you know, is, is torturing, you know, snails in, in his closet or something. I need something to hate about this guy because right now he's actually uh, as lovable as Caillou. And I just I, I can't I can't really. know,
2: hold on. No, we have to hit pause on that real quick. I don't think Caillou holds the popularity across the board that you think he does. It's <laughs> just <laughs> saying a lot of people hate Caillou with a passion. So I just was just I was just going
1: for, for Doppelganger status. I admittedly oh, don't okay. know that, <laughs> that I've ever actually watched <laughs> an episode of Caillou uh of that show. I think I was I was just going for uh twinning there. But no, um I'm I'm happy to just make a podcast specifically about what Big 12 coaches look like. Um I think that could be some fun, but uh let's let's again we'll start with the football, we'll get to the good stuff. Um, at the end and and obviously the thing like you just said that makes Aranda so great is he is a football coach he knows his stuff really really well interestingly right with with the Matt Rule leaving and the cupboard kind of going bare knew is going to be a rebuild year I don't know if you call it an overachievement or just everything goes right last year to get to 12 wins which is incredible but you're kind of back in the cycle now where Baylor you know is is I love this stat they are third lowest in the conference they're actually also third lowest of all, you know, power five teams of returning production. West Virginia and Iowa State are actually the last two in that category. So, you know, you have people going through the same thing right now in the conference. But you bring back about 47% uh, of snaps back, um, losing, you know, running backs. uh, Obviously, quarterback battle, um, wide receivers, defense, the whole thing. Um, But, you know, there is going to be a, without a doubt, a new look. Baylor Blake Shape and taking over at quarterback from Jerry Bohannon. Um, Is there anything just starting at the top of an expectation from fans that, well, it's going to be twelve wins again, or um, well, let's let's see. Like, where where are Baylor people kind of at coming into this year with as much change after having the highs of last year?
2: um, We'll get to the returning production piece here in a second, but from an overall expectation standpoint, right? I do think that this is the first year since. Mm, it was either 14 or 15 um, where the fan base is able to have an expectation for a team. Does that make sense? Right. We, there, there is, there hasn't been any change. We're not expecting a year zero from a, from a coaching staff. Um, There are, there is returning production to a degree, right? So I think naturally there's a ton of excitement from the fan base. And then you have people that really do dig into what this roster is going to look like, what the depth chart is going to look like, what some of the scheme um, details will look like. And there's excitement that comes out of that as well. So yes, um there, there's a ton of excitement. Expectations are high, right? Especially coming off a championship. Nobody wants to say, well, actually my team's going to suck this year, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. So I think naturally it, reaches higher that being said right i i try extremely hard to temper expectations personally for teams that i cheer for i really do try but i'm also like i'm i am tuned into vibes okay i i'm a big body language guy when i watch basketball uh, and uh, just vibes on how people react to questions I just get the sense that this team is just as confident, if not more so than last year's team. Confidence only counts for so much. I get it. Um, I have been on record as saying, oh God, it's weird to say it again, but 12 and O is more likely than seven and five. I'm not saying Baylor will go 12 and O. That's not what I'm saying. But 12 and zero is more likely than seven and five. I just think there is a floor that has been raised so significantly since Dave Aranda's first year, even Matt Rule's second year, really, that, that not only the style of offense, but the ability to be flexible on defense. There's just so much that plays into that floor, being assuming health, right? Assuming health. The expectation for me personally is that this Baylor team will be in the championship game for the Big 12 maybe maybe missing it by one game because i think we're going to talk about it this this conference is going to be very weird this year <laughs> I expect this team to be in the championship
0: game. I think that's a completely fair expectation. I've I've said it in print and I think on po- in audio form on a podcast that like I wouldn't be shocked to see both Baylor and Texas go into like that last game. Like looking at like a six and two in conference, and whoever wins that game gets in on a tiebreaker situation. Like that's that would be a completely rational thing to, to see. Um, and I think from the question I have, and I think the big question is like. Baylor's recruited really well at the skill positions, but it's hard to replace Tyquan Thornton, R.J. Snead, Drew Estrada. I think Baylor had more wide receivers drafted than Texas had players drafted overall. But like that's you know, weird. I'm, hold on, let
2: me take that note
0: down. Right, <laughs> right, you've got you've got another podcast coming up, I think. Um, <laughs> but the cupboard's not bare. But like, how do you replace those top end guys? Like, who's going to step in? Is it a? Is it a? Uh, a, a troop like situation. Like who are we, who are the names that are going to haunt my dreams? Cause like, I still have Taequann Thornton flavored nightmares sometimes. Like who's going to be the guy that I'm cussing their name in like a recast recap podcast in the very days. skinny
2: nightmares. You have just extremely <laughs> thin, very fragile looking nightmares. Um, <laughs> Look uh, so yeah, let's, let's jump into it. Right. That's the question for the, op- of, of the two questions for the offense, the skill position refresh is definitely one of them. Right. So let's talk passing game first. The wide receiver room, admittedly, is going to be the biggest question. I, I'm not really thinking that the quality of the wide receiver room is going to be as much of a question. The question is more so which names pop up because there's a lot of physical talent that's still in that room. You have Monterey Baldwin, which, if you watch the Sugar Bowl, might be the fastest human alive. <laughs> I, I have, that was The cameraman could not even catch up to Monterey Baldwin off of that jet sweep. Uh, Seth Jones, very physically talented. Armani Winfield coming in as a freshman. Mm -hmm. Unsure of where these freshmen will slot in, especially since you have players like a Gavin Holmes um, in there as well. So some names that even Baylor fans will have to adjust to. But it turns out tight ends also catch passes. (laughs) And Ben Sims, write this down somebody. I think there is a potential for Ben Sims to catch 12 touchdowns this year. (laughs) I think he is a... Monster. Okay. Um, somebody compared it like somebody in the Baylor fandom uh, compared him to Mark Andrews esque not not Mark Andrews, not Mark Andrews, but Mark Andrews ask and I, I do like that comparison. Uh, Very, very athletic. Doesn't look athletic, but I I think he's going to be a monster. So it might get distributed differently, right? Instead of only going to Tyquan Thornton down on a nine route, it might look a little bit different in the flats, but I, I think the production will be there.
0: You said ben our in field. That that's a name that's gonna. Haunt, that's one of those wide receivers that's gonna haunt me. There's like three of them in the Big Twelve. Yeah, Quentin Johnston at TCU is another one. But I'm like, how Texas fumbling those two
1: bags is gonna be something that's gonna haunt me for the next like six years. Th- those names fans remember and those hurt. Um, Sims is huge. I was actually thinking Charlie Kohler, but I guess he's maybe not that tall. But uh, he's a bit. He's he's just a big giant tight end in a way that because we when we were talking about our our def- like our our edge rush. And defensive line preview, uh, I was thinking when when we talk about smaller speed guys, like if you have to go up against Sims, like tight ends like that are the ones that make you think twice if you can put a smaller undersized linebacker because he's just a big dude. Um, And speaking of big dudes, right, like I think when you you talk about Baylor, and we will talk about the running backs because I think that's important, but when you talk about kind of – the offense i think that the thing that makes you think yeah we can get a passing game out of this and yeah we can replace and get the running game going is the offensive lineman right you return and i think i did the math correctly on this 28 years of experience like you have sixth year seniors fifth year seniors it's it's absurd um how much experience exists on the offensive line you have two guys who play who played four complete years and now came to baylor and are doing their second year right like that's just Crazy as Texas, who is looking at these really great recruits we have who are probably going to play as freshmen at this position, which Gerald and I are on the record as hating. But, you know, I think obviously Connor Galvin, a preseason All-American, Big 12 offensive lineman of the year, is the is the anchor of that unit and, and as good as it gets in the conference. Um, but I mean, it, all in all, like you, you have to be so supremely confident in that because you, you, you know, everything in your offense and Texas fans will find this out again this year, like experienced offensive linemen, make everything a notch better. Uh, you know, So much up. easier on
2: everyone. I, I, I have an anecdote, right? I, I'm a basketball player my entire life. I am five, seven at on a good day. <laughs> and for some reason I chose basketball as my <laughs> passion. I do not know why. But if you've ever gone to an NBA game or sat close to the floor at a college game and you might be vertically challenged like myself and you're playing with other relatively normal sized people, you see how large those NBA or college players are. Right. Um, You would kind of expect right to have the inverse of that with. Holes opened up by an offensive line, right? You you see, like in a Madden game, where a whole massive hole opens up, and the running back has enough room to spin three times and still run through. <laughs> and you would expect that to be what it's like in real life. It was the opposite. When I was, it was actually, I believe, the Texas game. It was the Abram Smith cutback. Now, I promise I'm not trying to hurt feel. I I truly promise I'm not tr- trying to hurt feeling. I saw we are, it.
1: We all watched it just the same as you did. We were angry. Maybe different emotions than you, but we all saw it. <laughs> we're numb at this um, point. It
2: was, was shock. I think we were both shocked. Um, but the hole that opened up on the right side, it wasn't the intentional running <laughs> running placement, but it was wide enough I could have gained seven, eight yards on that one. <laughs> and that was that was the first year in the – Grimes, Mateos system. Think about that. I I just think with the experience uh, just in sheer years, right? And the experience of a second year in the system, my God, Uh, I I do not. That's why I'm not terribly worried, even if we had a running back room that was not as promising as
0: this one so so let's jump there then because i i i need to get abram smith out of my mind as quickly as
2: humanly possible i do i truly did not mean to do that no, it's, it's fun fine. to think about but i didn't mean
0: to. i've been a i've been a texas fan living in oklahoma for a decade so like i'm i i'm dead Ooh. inside it's fine uh so abram smith gone tristan ebner gone jerry bohannon was like the third leading rusher on the team so like who, like, there's a lot of, again, Baylor has recruited really well at the skill positions, but there's just not a lot of, you know, snaps and, and, um, kinda, there's a lot of tread left on the tire. We'll try to sw- spin it positively. So who's going to be running behind that big line? Like, who are we going to see? Cause 1600 yards, six yards to carry big shoes to fill for whoever it is. But like, who who's the guy who's going to be taking advantage of that, uh, that experience and size on the OL?
2: So last year, right, you had that Hydra, three-headed monster of Abram Smith, Tristan Ebner, Gary Bohannon. This year, I think it's going to be similar. Maybe a little, little bit. The sliders are going to be a little bit different in terms of height. But keep Craig Williams' name in your head. Squirrel Williams. Squirrel. Love, love a short running back, as you might be able to tell. Love a short (laughs) running back. Um, Kings. They 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 call him Squirrel, and that's exactly how he runs. If he's out in open space, very difficult to corral. Okay, so that's the lightning, right? Then you know you have Josh Fleeks as well, who will be probably placed all over the field, right? He'll 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 catch balls, he'll run it, I'm sure. But the the kind of thunderbacks, right? Some of the bigger boys back there, kind of an Abram Smith replacement, if you're looking to pigeonhole them in that way. Tay McWilliams, just a monster of a human being. It runs angry, doesn't have the speed that Abram Smith has, but just runs angry. Just very unfortunate forever who's in front of him. (laughs) Um, Keep Qualen Jones in the back of your head. And then also the freshman, Kian Roberts Day. I need to tell you something about Kian Roberts Day. He Roberts Robert State is 6'3", 218 at the running back position. Wasn't
0: he recruited as a defensive end?
2: I, I don't know if he was or not, um, but he is – he's hes a monster. I mean, Tay McWilliams isn't small himself. Tay McWilliams is 6'1", 213. So there's definitely – right, there's the – bringing it back to basketball again because it's all I know how to do. You definitely have the different sizes and shapes of running backs depending on what you need. I think legitimately three to four running backs will touch the ball any given game. I, I, I like the production that can come out of that room. I really do. Health is going to be an issue for squirrel Williams, but the rest of them, I I think there's going to be a lot of production. there.
0: I think especially in the college game, unlike the quarterback position, when you have multiple running backs on a college football offense, like that's, that's the way to go about it. Like leave, you got to have bodies. It's, it's the only way to go. It's why Roshan Johnson is a, preseason all conference player because Texas needed bodies and he moved from, from quarterback to running
2: back. This has to be incorrect. I, I'm sorry. I need to make a correction. It says that Keen Roberts Day is six three, two sixty nine. I'm not <laughs> sure I that that feels like a typo. I'm I'm gonna reach out to somebody on that. Point is large human. He's
1: he's on the Rondane Eddie Lacy uh workout plan and I respect it. I do. I uh, love it. Get the get the so, big body. So am I actually <laughs> so am
2: I Um, Not, not quite. Again, I think the sliders on the attributes of this defense will average out to be about the same, which apparently is a hot take to a lot of people, right? (laughs) I I understand that a lot was lost, right? Jalen Petrie is going to be nearly impossible to replace. Terrell Bernard, one of the most instinctual linebackers that I've seen play at Baylor, right? Who's getting shout outs on the, the athletic NFL show recently. Um, just making waves in the NFL, it, it admittedly hard to replace JT Woods, right? The heartbreak it, it, it very difficult to replace that. But then you look at some of the the names that are either returning or have transferred in. And on the defensive line specifically, we have to talk about Jackson player, midway high school right there in Waco goes to Tulsa, racks up a, an all conference, uh, honorable racks up a third team, all American honorable, right? He, 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 the guy can play, the guy can play. So you have Ika and, and Jackson player kind of, you know, muddying things up there. Gabe Hall recently just made the freaks list. I can, I can never remember who puts out that freaks list, but Gabe Hall, absolute freak. Cole Maxwell is an name here around the quarterback quite a bit. This defensive line is legitimately six, seven, eight deep, depending on how you want to look at it. There are players that would start – Uh, in in that second unit at a a, a good number of other Big 12 schools. I I do think that when you talk – to me, this defensive line um, serves the the main purpose of stopping the run, and they do so much more than that, right? But when you can push that pocket back, collapse everything else, create opportunities for others, it, it opens so much up in this arena defense. They do a lot more than that though. But I especially think that these outside linebackers, which I assume we'll get to later, it just make again it just makes the job of everybody else so much easier. So that when you do lose a Jalen Petrie, when you do lose experience at cornerback and safety, maybe it gets papered over in that earlier part of the season. Later on, they they get acclimated. And it's also it's it's a lot easier to play defensive back when the quarterback's running for his
0: life a lot. That's gonna that's gonna come back to bite me. I think it's gonna be a theme for for the Texas game <laughs> when they play Baylor. But you mentioned you mentioned the linebackers, and and I I don't know if I've ever gone from like excited at a potential to deflated when I saw Josh White hit the portal because I was like Texas these oh linebackers throw everything at this kid I don't care what nil check you need to cut get this kid and then I was like oh wait he's a, he's a linebacker from LSU he's not going anywhere other than Baylor like th- there was no as soon as I realized that that connected I was like. Whatever, let's just let's just call it a day. So that linebacking crew is going to be really good. Again, White is a kid who was a top 150 recruit coming out of high school. Things didn't pan out as he thought they would, and in, uh, in at LSU, and so now he's coming home to uh, try to do something in the Lone Star State. So uh, that linebacking crew's got to be a strength of this defense. And, and as Baylor tries to you know get back to the what Dave Miranda expects from his defenses, it's nice to have a crutch like that.
2: There are. I love Josh White. Just kind of researching him, looking into what he can do and just honestly I, I hate reducing players to like that that's a you know, a specimen, right? I, I don't like speaking dude is a freak. He is a monster athletically, and he may not start. Think about that. Will Williams might be better suited immediately. I think Josh White will eventually start, but Will Williams almost equally athletically. Um, it, it, this this linebacking core will not will definitely miss Terrell Bernard, but will not I think, degrade too much in quality because you do have another year of Mike Jones, who's definitely going to be a um, Who? exactly. I'm glad somebody said it. Thank you.
0: Calvin Houston um, was on him.
2: <laughs> I, I, big shout out to H. I, I, I miss it. Um, so we, we have Mike Jones, who's, who's a big play in one way or the other linebacker. You have Dylan Doyle, who's locking things down, right? Who, who thought a Big Ten linebacker could come in and play in the Big 12? Not I. Um, but Bryson Jackson will also get his name called a bunch. It's just a good collection of guys that I think are going to be a very cohesive unit. Last year, that linebacking core did rely on Terrell Bernard a ton they did rely on Jalen Petrie essentially playing linebacker a lot of the time as well. Uh, I, I just think it, this is a unit that has actually been upgraded, which is kind of weird to think about.
1: So that's a bold statement. I like it. Keep it a little spicy there. So speaking of getting spicy, people who've listened to this podcast for you know half an hour now and, and are wondering why is this group of, of fellas talking so much about football seriously? Like I came here, For the memes, for the lols, like they they have you know uh, Matt on Kyle and Gerald. We're being serious. Let's you know let's give the people what they really want. We'll go to the Longhorn Lightning Round, which I know you love that name. I know you love the horns. You're happy to be here. Let's start this off with a little a little toss up. We'll keep it real easy. A segment we've we've done before. uh, Again, for our uh, our our PG rating, we'll use the the appropriate terms. This is bed wet or dead. So I'll give you uh, I'll give you three um choices here. Um Willie Nelson, Ange- Angela Kinsey, um from Angela from the office, and Chip and Joanna. That's that's four people, but three three choices. They they come as a package deal.
2: So in th- in theory it would be a thruple situation. Yes? yes. Yeah.
1: If okay. if you
0: choose the if you choose the yeah, one option, yeah.
1: You 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 run without how it, it could works be a
0: double you. homicide.
1: <laughs> um Damn, okay. Um,
2: Okay, so I I think we have to look at Angela Kinsey. I I love her, she's great. Willie Nelson, love him, he's great. I don't think I can marry Willie, which is unfortunate. Um, Anybody can, that's fine. I just, Willie and I don't think we'd be super compatible. Chip and Joanna, that's an interesting situation. Would be very awkward to bed, Chip and Joanna. (laughs) But I'm going to do it. We're going to yeah. bed Chip and Joanna. We're going to yeah. wed Angela Kinsey. And then I think Willie would be pretty cool if if we could come up with a cool way for him to go out. It would be like a cooperation situation. He's up there. He's lived a full life. He knows it. <laughs> I think if we could come up with a cool way, like maybe raise a bunch of money for charity and shoot him out of a cannon with a very <laughs> particular theme painted on the cannon. I, I don't know. I, I think there's a cool way we could honor him on his way out if he knew he was going. So that's what I'm going to do.
0: I would see it as like a like a goodbye tour, like the Willie Willie Nelson Up in Smoke tour. Go absolutely. The, the gate goes see to how charity.
2: many times you can shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> see how many times you can shoot him out of a cannon. That's what it is. He'd quite love it. I, awesome. I
1: I also love the the bed for Chip and Joe because you just know it's going to be a really rustic piece, some shiplap behind it. Like it, it'll be a nice a nice bed. There,
2: it will be a ranch style. I will say that, whatever <laughs> but, that means, it will be a ranch style. I, <laughs> I've, I've been told she smells very nice. I will just say that I from people who know. know. From people who know. So.
0: A artisan yeah. ship lap headboard, just beautiful, beautiful time. There you go. Right. So we like to we like to ask this nil era. It's it's the new era of college football. Like it, like it. Or Have y'all
2: already it. talked about Bijan Dijon?
1: Oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: We 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 did. And that's, and
2: that's what it's about, right? This that's what it should be about. Loved that.
1: It's as good it as it It should not gets. be
2: about Ferrari. It should not be about Lamborghini. <laughs> it should. It's, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying the spirit of this whole thing is Dakolus Everett doing the yes. the AC s- slot. Which, by the way, I had production notes that I wanted to give to the people creating <laughs> that commercial. I was like, they should make it like him being upset that he's not Dakolus anymore, and it's the AC anyway. Sorry, continue. <clears throat> there's,
0: there's a lot that could happen there. Like the, you that? say that. The reason why I, I was able to get over the Kansas loss last year so quickly is because that kid did a go-for-two ad with Applebee's. And like, Applebee's picked two. How, how, yeah. how could I stay mad at you? Like, yeah. I can't. I cannot. you just beautiful, beautiful man. So we we do all that cross-talk to ask this question. You could pick any Baylor athlete, any sport, any era. Who would be the person, and what would be the brand or product that they would be selling?
2: Um, the The first thing that came to mind is like, if Skechers came out with a shoe for people that like um, need need to make sure that they're stable and upright a whole bunch, Bryce Petty for for Skechers <laughs> um, because of the Oklahoma trip, uh, Oklahoma State uh, trip and fall uh, before the goal line. Um, the other one would be like uh ben Gay or something similar like tiger bomb for lake sea strunk on his long run uh-huh. where he like pu- essentially pulled a hamstring on the way to the end zone <laughs> trying to figure out uh maybe hmm. no i shouldn't say that i won't say that um <laughs>
0: we'll take that one off here
2: yeah, I'll yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly i i think uh those would be the first things that come to mind. We, we mm-hmm. need to do something a little bit more. Oh, the, the what got me to the sketchers thing was Blake shaping with, for shape ups mm-hmm. with, uh, mm-hmm. with sketchers, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's what really
1: good. That's good.
2: Uh, or, or like some sort of like lens shaping or, or, for glasses or something like that. That's, that's all I got right now.
1: No, I mean, th- those are, those are very fine. I th- I also was wondering if you were going to say flow Thamba to represent, um, you know, the rapper who made the song Mo Bamba or Mo himself. Um, NBA player uh, Mobamba. You you could go many ways with this. I think I like the shape and shape ups quite a bit. Admittedly, I think you should make it work. Um, This one may not be quite as easy as the first two that we started. This is required to answer. Um, Please go ahead and say one nice thing about Texas Christian University.
2: Texas Christian University. Quentin Johnson. Like about the team
1: or the institution. Uh, either whatever you want to say nice about about rivals tcu
2: um the the tcu rush videos one of them actually got me published into one of these i think it was the daily doc or something (laughs) i said tcu what the hell quoting a tiktok video and that made a lot of people mad (laughs) like a lot of people mad (laughs) to the point where i had to uh mute the tweet so um I don't know if that's nice or not, but maybe I'm thankful slash you know regretful about that. Quentin Johnson's a monster. I, I Chandler Jones is the slipperiest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Um, I hmm, let's see, they're not SMU. I much prefer <laughs> TCU over SMU. Okay. Um, I, I can I can go because I mean there's there's a link there, right? Like just being in the same relative kind of spot in a conference, right? Being the private school and doing that whole thing where you get that stigma around you. I, I, I feel a regretful like brotherhood with them to the point where we can hate them best. Nobody else can hate them better <laughs> than us. We can hate them best.
0: You mentioned, you mentioned Twitter and you were at the center of, of controversy recently on Twitter. And,
2: and I legitimately don't know what you're talking like, which, which, Issue. You're talking about. <laughs> Several. The, uh, well,
0: the the one that got you in timeout is the one that I'm specifically oh. <laughs> thinking of. Um, okay. Yeah.
2: And,
0: and so right. I I want you to just we're we're giving you this open platform, and you had you had the, the perfect Notes app apology. But I think for our our listeners, we want to give you an opportunity to clear the air about like your stance on elder abuse is really where we want. want this
2: I- <laughs> 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 huh? Um. All right. Thank you for the platform, by the way. <laughs> hey, don't don't punch old people in the grocery store. That's not where that was intended to go. <laughs> Look, I know I messed up going to the HEB that's closest to the retirement community on a Sunday afternoon at like 3 PM. I'm aware of this. Okay. We're being um, authentic and vulnerable here, okay? Yes, I know up. where I messed up. That's not the point here. This happens all the time. If you are a person of any age, I just happen to be in an aisle full of uh, geriatric individuals at that point in time. A person of any age or ability, if you are just completely unaware of the people in the aisle that you are in, your parked caddy corner, like next to the big pole that you can only get around on one side and it's a narrow aisle anyway. And you're just sitting there reading what's in the can of peaches. Dude, it's peaches, man. (laughs) Let's go. Like I can understand needing to read the labels of certain things. I get it. Right. It's important. It's information that's there that you might need to read. There might be a lot of choices that you were not expecting. That's fine. Get the, get out of the way and then move your cart move your cart and then come back which where you're a little bit more nimble and stuff if you can't get out of your cart that's fine just be aware and say hey uh, sorry i i I won't be long just give me a second i can i I am the most patient understanding person in the grocery store i apologize to anybody if i even walk near them so this is not who i am in real life i just (laughs) needed to vent that frustration and unfortunately, the elder population caught my frustration at that particular point in time. And boy, that did upset some people. That did upset some people.
1: You you heard it here first, folks. Um, when he doubled down and tried to kill Willie Nelson, Matt actually <laughs> does not advocate oh, no. for elder abuse, though... We will be tweeting that specifically when we advertise this podcast um, and see, you know, if it does numbers, but... um... (laughs) Uh, you know, Alex Jones has taught us that that our our, um, our dear folks on the internet and the greater world aren't able to actually discern satire or or uh, people just saying things they, they don't actually believe. So, Matt, we're here to give you that platform to redeem yourself uh, to to all of our millions of listeners. So, I'm glad you you, you were able to uh, to do that. I have one final question. So. No one thinks this is actually going to happen, but you know, I, no one probably thought Baylor was going to win 12 games coming off of a, a, a two-win season previously. So let's say Texas makes the ultimate turnaround. Again, caveat, I don't think this in any world with a million simulations happens, but makes it to the college football playoffs. They make it. What opponent would Texas have to be playing that you would be cheering for Texas to win in, in the, the college, college football, football playoff against? Because <laughs> remember... We get to say we're back and be insufferable, so it's gotta be someone really, really bad.
2: That is a like a liberty is a <laughs> fair
1: fair, okay,
2: okay. I think liberty is is definitely there. Um It's a good answer. Yeah. Legitimately trying to think of another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I it, it might be like if if OU just gets like Sit like just four or five months of just people just slobbering all over jeff levy i i, I would be reading for you guys over OU for sure I, that i would not be able to handle that well if if that happens um so yeah i'd say liberty and in a very specific media driven narrative <laughs> situation over OU. But in that point, I'm honestly just looking for, see, it's, it's, I love being a little bit more objective than I was when I was younger, because I can take a Texas OU game and watch it for the football, right? And if something funny happens along the way to either team, (laughs) great, right? um but yeah i'd just be liberty i think that's That's very fair
0: (laughs) you know you mentioned you mentioned jeff levy ian mccall obviously at at liberty so like there's there's that uh through the ties yeah google those two names and see how they're connected and see why uh matt (laughs) Mm. feels that way but this has been an absolute pleasure man We, we uh but we don't want to take up your whole evening so if people want more of what you've got to offer where can they find you on the internet?
2: Ooh, okay. Um, plugs are almost like, like I have to put a disclaimer on the plugs whenever I do this. So, at Matt is Bear on Twitter, before you do that, just know that it's a very specific life choice <laughs> um, to follow me on Twitter. I'm not saying it's entirely negative. I'm not saying it's entirely positive. It's just a very specific life choice. Uh, if you'd like to check, uh, I have just, I'm patting myself on the back here for assembling a group of people that are way smarter than me and better at writing than me and more creative than me over at our daily bears. I we're going to be doing a lot of fun conference wide stuff this season. I think it's going to be a blast. We're going to start some betting stuff. Um, really, really excited about the football season and, and what it will bring. And then if you're tired of intelligent stuff, Come on over to Between Two Bears, right? You can actually get there going to bearsonlyfans.com. Um <laughs> I did lock down the domain there. Uh, or you can go to anchor.fm slash between two bears. But bears only fans is actually easier to remember. So go there.
1: I, I I I can't imagine there's not someone somewhere very mad when they go to try to get that domain. It specific is a very niche.
2: thin tightrope that we walk in the digital arena uh with our particular podcast name i'll just leave it at that i
0: I am just shocked i haven't gotten divorced yet like when my wife what what between two what are you listening to like you're shocked
2: (laughs) you're shocked i am shocked my wife legitimately told me matt if you're going to tweet like that please just wait until you up your life insurance that's something she said to me at least, it's,
0: at least she has her priorities right. Like,
2: let's just let's just. She be does. Okay. She, she does have her priorities. That <laughs> it, is true.
1: It's always dangerous out here in these tweets. So uh, I, 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 I I hope everyone chooses to follow Matt. Um, maybe just for a week. You know, it's 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 fun. <laughs> yeah, <You'll>, trial period. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. See see how uh, see how you like it. Uh, if it's two year taste, um, but very fun. It won't be. It won't be boring. I know that. It, Neither with this yeah. podcast and you're. A fantastic! You you go in the the uh, all time favorites guest list uh, immediately. So thank you Aww. for coming on, spending some time with us. This was this was great.
2: So sweet. Thank you guys so much. And uh, I'm ready for football week zero. Let's go, let's go, Nebraska, nice. and whoever they're playing in Ireland. Let's go.
0: What did the Irish population do to us for us to force that upon them? Is really my my last uh, my last point for today.
2: And that's a long historical conversation. <laughs>
1: All right, Gerald, let's bring it back, burnt orange, take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses. And I think we start with the most burnt orange of them all. I don't know if you know this, Gerald, but since he was a child, he has bled burnt orange. I'm, of course, talking about one Sam L. Jack- Ellinger. Uh, through two preseason games, uh, he's lighting it up, right? Like, not playing full games. Um, but, you know, is incredibly efficient, showing pocket poise for days touch on the uh the deeper passes like he's just doing it all sam ellinger right now has a just shy of perfect quarterback rating uh <laughs> through through two preseason games like he legit is it's funny to, to to log on to to find your way into colt's twitter that is not in any way texas twitter and see what they say about him and they're all very excited they're all very worried that like He's messing up the depth chart order. Like <laughs> Matt Ryan uh, is the starter, and was supposed to be Nick Foles, and he was maybe third or practice team, but he's basically played himself into a backup. And you know, Matt Ryan better be looking over his shoulder. He's he's doing something really special this preseason, and I I couldn't be happier for Sam.
0: I mean, he's a guy who again, represented the University of Texas really well and worked his tail off for all of these chances. And he he acquitted the University of Texas really well. And I'm, I'm curious what his Texas legacy looks like if um, the players around him had been developed to the level of their talent uh, and he wasn't just putting the team on his shoulder a couple of years. Uh, so but he's a guy who deserves it. And you know, at worst, he's going to have like that Colt McCoy career where he kind of just sticks around the league, doesn't have to play a ton and gets paid really, really well to do so. Um, but he's got an opportunity to, to carve out a, a little spot for himself in Indy. And it'd be it'd be nice to see him uh, at least on the uh, the Sunday roster suiting up uh, as a, as you know the backup option for the, the Colts.
1: Yeah. 19 for 22, 224 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's uh, 19 for 22. Only three balls haven't been caught in the preseason. He's doing very well. Other Longhorns who have caught passes from Colt McCoy, Colin Johnson, had another uh, good week. Had a a really solid catch, and then Jordan Humphrey, um, a player who badly wants a, a spot on the Patriots team. He's he's had some good you know receiver possessions. He's trying to make the bottom of that depth chart. But the, the way that you do it, um, he had the special teams play of the week in the NFL preseason, basically. Uh, with all of the grit, work ethic, effort, and athleticism like required to perfectly down a punt, it, he he did it all in 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 one play, and and I think you know if Bill Belichick is still Bill Belichick, that play right there probably just secured that he just made the team.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the way if you're one of these edge guys to to make sure you make a roster and get to hang out is making special teams plays and it was textbook like he split the he split the defenders as the gunner he got in position he kept the ball out of the uh kept his body parallel to the ground pushed the ball back out of the end zone and you know down the ball at you know inside the five like that is textbook that's a way to again as a guy who's kind of a tweener to uh make your name and and get to have your cup of coffee
1: absolutely and uh, another guy who you know taking advantage of the opportunities that presented himself. Brendan schooler also on that patriots team got his first nfl interception won't count because in the preseason, but he'll always be have the mems. But uh, it was kind of overthrown and thrown right to him. But he sure as heck caught it. Um, he didn't always catch everything at uh, Texas, but that's okay. Um, but he uh, he you know might just find a way on that, that 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 same team. And watch out, the Patriots you know might might be a contender for. Um, most Longhorn have in this team if they, they keep picking up these Texas guys and and finding a roster spot for them so um, we'll continue to watch the preseason because it is fun to watch these young guys kind of um, who may not be fully developed and ready to, to contribute on, on Sundays in the middle of the season get some PT and uh, some Longhorn shining through for sure. Uh, just a bit of, of good news is uh, school started this week uh, Monday we went back to school it was also we mentioned our Director's Cup defense, four national championship coaches, and one who made a national championship, Mike White, uh, all were rewarded by crystal Conti with uh, with generous salary bumps. Their uh, their national championship bonuses for uh, Howard Joffe, Eldrick floreal Vic Schaefer, and Texas golf coach John Field. So excited for all of them, and uh, I didn't see exact numbers necessarily you can always do your uh freedom information act lookups if you so choose uh but it was reported that they were uh compensated for great great seasons as we head into defense mode um speaking of golf one of the the cooties that actually both cooties are on fire but parker now earns his first professional title he's on the pga tour canada um kind of the third level, uh, if you will. Uh, one Manitoba Open by eight strokes. That kind of play right there. He'll be on the Corn Ferry before you know it and, and with his brother. Uh, in two years, they'll both be on the PGA Tour. Love the cooties. Love to see him doing it at the next level. All right, and a couple doing it on this level. Lexi uh, Massimo was named one of 60 on the watch list for the Mac Herman Trophy. That's basically the soccer Heisman equivalent. Um, and Trinity Byers named the U.S. soccer coaches forwards to watch. She was one of only five. Um, freshman or sophomore on that list so our two sophomore standouts after their freshman campaigns racking up the watch list Season.
0: Texas has a lot of, of international talent uh, on this group, and, mm-hmm. and so it's exciting to see, uh, you know, TCU's pr- probably going to be the class of the conference again, but see how, how they can uh, compete with them and keep up with them and, and you know, kind of make waves nationally. You don't got to win the conference to make a deep run in a national championship in college. Soccer is one of those sports. So uh, they've got a shot, again, with this talent already there. Very, very exciting.
1: Absolutely. They were, they were picked uh, second in the Big 12 preseason poll that came out. Last week, I think. Um, so they, they they agree with you, Gerald. They, they're right there. But, you know, second is just so easy to make one. You only got to pass one person uh, to get to first or one team. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm not writing them off yet. A player who had a fantastic season and expects to have more as well in the 40 acres, Aaliyah Moore, has spent her offseason uh, representing the the under-23 Uh, U.S. team in the FIBA 3-on-3 national, uh, this was the America's conference championship, so basically they separated the world in these 3-on-3 teams into, I think, 8, 10, maybe different conferences. This was America's, um, and they went a perfect uh 14 and 0, i believe uh not unblemished no losses uh in the dominican republic uh she was one of four players they can have three on the court at one time but Aaliyah uh, moore just continuing a really great end to the season for coach schaefer last year taking that momentum to the three on three they will now compete uh in the uh the bigger conference in september
0: FIBA giving you a look at you know maybe what's potentially going to be an Olympic sport soon. I think three on three is like in the in the running for it. So uh, Texas getting more Olympians the more the more Texas Olympians. I, I, my favorite thing to do is look at how many countries that Texas has more Olympians from. Uh, so that again keep adding to the number.
1: Yeah, and, and a free trip to Romania where the, uh, the 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 championship will be. I mean, you never you never get enough Romania in your life. Uh, that's September fourteenth to sixteenth. <laughs> All right, Gerald put a pin in that and move it over to our closing section Godzilla Tron what have you been watching on your giant screen?
0: Uh, We watched house of dragon house of dragon and kyle you haven't watched it yet you and your wife haven't had your schedules line up yet so i'm not going to spoil it but it was game of thrones when it was good like it was early season game of thrones i had you know it has all the game of thrones content that people find objectionable so there's you know grotesque violence and there's (laughs) you know there's all of that other the other things that come with it but as far as immediately grounding you back in that world it was like spot on the way that they did it. Like it was, it was really well done. And it's, it's again, it's, it's infuriating to see like, oh yeah, they didn't forget how to make this show really good. The people that were doing it just decided they didn't want to anymore. It's like that was frustrating in and of itself, but it was, there were some moments that were really tough to watch, but like Matt Smith is an incredible actor. I'm really excited to see him as a lead. And, and obviously uh, the young lead he's playing opposite kind of this, you know, war for the crown and the the dance of dragons that we're going to see uh, throughout this series is going to be really interesting interesting and really compelling. High production quality. Again, I can't say too much without spoiling it for you, Kyle. So <laughs> I just I think you're going to enjoy it. There's a lot of uh, interesting lore that came up if you're a Game of Thrones lore person. So be excited about that. And the other thing that I watched, and I believe you watched it as well, is the uh, Untold Manti Teo documentary on Netflix. And I have a ton of mixed feelings about it. Uh, The documentary itself was really good, which is why my feelings are mixed because um, they didn't really paint anybody other than like how they presented themselves. And like the big, one of my biggest takeaways, one is like Manti is a really incredible person and I feel bad for like the way that I perceived him based upon how it was presented in the sports media at large Following this thing blowing up, and again, there there were a lot of major publications with egg on their face, and so they were trying to shift the narrative from "we screwed the pooch on fact checking," which was Deadspin's whole point of this, anyways. They weren't really trying to blow up Manti's life, and that's really my other big issue is that I didn't. Th- I, mean, I was a journalism student at the time when this thing blew up, like or you know, just fresh after my my, my journalism uh, journalism student career, I was early in my journalism career, but like I did not think about how bad of a job some of the things that they did were like they they openly admitted that like we weren't trying to make sure we got everything right and we didn't really think of the ramifications for him personally we were just trying to make espn look bad and like that to me is really frustrating and infuriating they only gave him like an hour to respond before the story came out like there were just these little things that gnawed at me and you know deadspin went the way of the dodo it's still around but it's kind of not what it used to be anyway so um they kind of got their comeuppance for some of that a little bit uh but all in all like manti teo deserves to have his name rehabilitated is the wrong word because it's he didn't really do anything wrong at least based on the facts that we know like they're again there could be a thousand and one other things, but long story short, really good documentary. The the same people that did uh, the Malice at the Palace documentary. That was really, really good like a year or so ago. So watch that one as well. But I, it was, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it's two episodes. Um, we, we just finished, my wife and I just finished the second. And it was interesting um, because she had uh, like a, an understanding of the story that had happened, but, but not as much depth and not as much understanding of Mantiteo and maybe not as much understanding of, of Notre Dame, the myth-making machine um, historically. Right. Um, she understood the, the it was a wild story. I think it, it, that's the whole point of the, this Mantiteo story, even before the catfishing part came out, but just the, the girlfriend and grandmother the that the, 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 like, you know, so that was a period of college football, and, and not that we don't still, but we just love the suckly sweet little narratives. You know, and and they went like I mean, Tim Tebow, for instance, went far beyond the typical fan base of the sport, and I think there was a backlash. And again, it doesn't it doesn't help that it was Notre Dame, and it's you know everyone hates Texas, but like everyone hates Notre Dame, um, and. Uh, like I think a lot of the things that people didn't like about the kind of entitled nature of Notre Dame as an entity were projected onto Manti Teo as this the whole thing happened. And I think Gerald's right that uh, he, like a like a seemingly very incredible like you say all the right things for the documentary, I guess, but just nonetheless the way that he spoke about how this affected him, you know, how how quickly he forgave the person who did it to him, um, it wasn't necessarily. If you haven't seen the documentary, it certainly goes into the details of it wasn't that simple, right? There was a lot of ramifications that you know certainly affected his career and and just him as a person um i actually ended up doing some some researching and and i I forgot i didn't realize he was still until last year i think um on a roster like he was in the nfl um it, it was a different career than we kind of all expected for him um that heisman trophy video of him johnny manziel and and colin klein was like they had a combined you know anti-tail for sure had the longest NFL career of those guys but you, I, I kind of forgot I knew him as the punchline the caricature the guy who had this crazy story I forgot you know he, he carved out a solid seven year ish eight year ish uh, I think maybe nine even NFL career and, and you know watching his highlights in college forgot how much of a force he could be um, it is interesting it's interesting because a lot of people still if they haven't seen it I've talked to don't believe it it's just like no 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 he knew he was something it's crazy no one could be that like still years later as if we're more familiar with catfishing so I encourage everyone to watch it just to think about that and I mean it's a double layer the catfishing in the Mormon community is certainly a, a, a prevalent thing in the in the past few years I've, I've uh, actually seen some read some articles and talked to some people about that very thing and then the Polynesian community you have two kind of um, smaller communities that that are somewhat like traditional and slightly repressed so you have like a very target rich environment and Manti Teo was the perfect like um powder keg for all of that so I, I agree I, I saw him in a much different light very different than when I was 23 or 24 whenever uh, the story broke and I was kind of very sarcastic about it and you know probably contributed to the memes that his family and him you know saw and and just you know you you forget about that as the person i however am a pretty genuine and huge deadspin fan and always had been i mean i that was like my homepage on the and the internet this is where uh I, I logged on and and just pretty frequently there was things that haven't aged well but um it was irreverent and i was 23 and 4 and then that sit with me um but i i came away slightly different gerald i thought that Though Deadspin may have done some things with their, you know, fair and balanced reporting and, and giving Manti more time to respond or whatever, I, I, I do think that they were basically trying to write a "How did ESPN fail so badly?" They were so quick to, you know, go for this treacly, sweet kind of story that they no one literally Googled this person's existence even once. Um they themselves were catfished, right? Like that and so I thought Deadspin was breaking a story and then it absolutely got completely out of their control. And um I don't know, as a young journalist who lived in a little bit of the wild west of early internet, I, I also I got that. So I was of a few minds watching it. I think it was a good documentary. I don't know that it came away necessarily Changed on anything other than like a great deal of sympathy for for Manti, but I thought it was very interesting and certainly worth a watch for anyone who's even remotely you know curious or lived through that time or maybe didn't and just wants like my wife to kind of find all the details. Um, I, I, I do think that it's it's a pretty like awful thing that the you know Renaya now um, Naya excuse me um, that Naya um, went through and it feels like a weird like a pretty awful thing to do to another human being first of all, but uh, maybe has found comfort in their own internal uh, journey to, to get to, to, to where they're at now. Um, but I don't know. I, I went balancing between like, Oh, good for them. But also like, man, you really like, uh, you you certainly like destroyed this person's life. Like, I don't know. It, I, I left with a lot of, mixed and conflicting feelings but not about the quality of the documentary i think it just was a bit provoking i would have honestly been curious to see manti react to understanding about the transition um that that now naya is female um identifying and like so i i I was i would honestly like i would have i wanted a little bit more like take that next step of like all right we're here now uh, you know like what are the people involved what are they how, how does this change things
0: yeah and i think that was that was definitely something that i i was hoping for a like last dance style michael jordan watching on the ipad kind of reaction to that i thought that would be an interesting way to uh end it because i think that has a lot to do with with what happened and, and why it happened i think you know uh naya talked about how never really felt comfortable in, in kind of finding a new way. Cause that's really where the Linnea Kakua thing came from was just trying to find a way to express who, you know, she felt like she was on the inside rather than, you know, who, who she presented as publicly. And if I think they long story, I feel like they let her off a little bit mm-hmm. in some spots mm-hmm. and that's another you know, conversation for another day. But um, all in all, if you don't want to watch the documentary, watch, Manti's speech at the end, the last like three minutes of the documentary where he kind of talks about like his almost life's calling following this and how, you know, he feels like he can turn this into something for good. And he can, you know, for all the people that were mean on him to the uh, mean to him on the Internet, like Kyle and I probably very much were at the time um, showing people that you can overcome things like this and like that was that like they they ended it really well and i think that's what one of the most endearing moments of the the thing to me was like him sh- seeing his growth and like you know he was still a kid when when all this happened mm-hmm. he was you know 21 22 you know, this was 10 years ago he's he's close-ish to our age, you know, early 30s now, and so seeing the maturity in him and kind of seeing him you know, talk about the impact that counseling had on him and the impact that Mm -hmm. all of these things that um, kind of changed how he perceived it, and and you talked about forgiving himself, like I know you forgave Naya, but did did you ever forgive yourself? Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of where the documentary turned for me, but um, all in all, really, really, really well done documentary, obviously you and I as people who studied both journalism and like long-form storytelling, we could nitpick it all day but all in all great documentary you should check it
1: out that's all we've got for you this week kyle
0: where can the good folks find you on the internet
1: oh you can follow me on twitter at kyle carpenter you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer
0: you can follow me on twitter i am at gh goodridge follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in again this week next week we will be previewing the defensive backs and the linebackers will also have some more great preview content for you. We're still working out our guests. But until then,
1: hook them. Hook em. I'm sick.